You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Breaking news alert. Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. Man, we have a lot of breaking news, and all I have to say is, thank God Week 12 is over. Brutal week all the way around. If you're a Bronco fan, I mean, what do you do? You have a practice squad receiver trying to play quarterback. You were pretty much led to the slaughter before the game even started, and the Broncos were dead on arrival as they couldn't do anything. It's like, I get the NFL can't let any of the quarterbacks play, but... I mean, how is that even fun to watch? Like, why are TV, like, TV stations, uh, TV networks, are they happy to be playing that game? It was definitely an embarrassment. And then on the other side of things, you have the Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill connection where they just lit up the whole league this week with, you know, three touchdown passes and catches. Um, you have Derrick Henry with his three touchdowns just dominating, keeping form with his post-Thanksgiving uh, excellence, and then you have the opposite of that with uh, the Raiders and Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and what they look like. It was almost like they went to Florida to go bask in the sun and go to Disneyland because they didn't go there to play football. It was a bad performance. Uh, Lions, well, speaking of bad performances, they didn't play very well on Thanksgiving Day. They were embarrassed. So what do they do? They decide to fire Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, their general manager. A lot of players were happy about it. They were tweeting all over Twitter about, you know, former players were, were tweeting, current players were tweeting. Seemed like uh, it was a happy time in Detroit. The issue with the Lions, though, is they just don't win. They're not a winning organization, so uh, it, it takes a group effort for that. But Matt Patricia and their Patriot way definitely wasn't a fit in Detroit for those players. Uh, you knew this move was coming. It was just a matter of time, and it's better to get it over with now and just finish out the season so you can start fresh next year. Um, there definitely has been a lot of personnel moves that were questionable, and um, so you can see why both of them were fired. Texans, wide receiver Will Fuller, cornerback Bradley Roby, suspended both for six games each for PEDs. So... You're all excited this year. You're like, man, Will Fuller, he hasn't been hurt very much. He's going to be finishing out the year, and he's dominating. And nope, season is over for Will Fuller and Bradley Roby. The rug was pulled from under him. Uh, that's why you don't take PEDs. This was, it wasn't named the, uh, over. it wasn't an over-the-counter drug. It was a prescription drug. Uh, they didn't name what it was. But it's illegal by the NFL, and they took it. So they are done for the year, and it's unfortunate. Especially if you have Will Fuller and you're going into the playoffs, you're not too happy about that. Uh, I like, obviously, Brandon Cooks is going to uh, take over there, especially with Randall Cobb being hurt. And Kiki Kuti is 
going to have a lot more relevance. You know, he was a pickup last week, and I like him even more now because it's basically Kiki Kuti and Brandon Cooks. They got rid of Kenny Stills, Will Fuller is suspended, and Randall Cobb is hurt. So that went from having a lot of weapons to not having any weapons. And we'll see how Deshaun Watson reacts and what that offense looks like. But if you have Jordan Aikens or uh, Darren uh, Darren Fells, that's uh, that's where I think they're gonna, you know, those targets are gonna shift to for sure. 49ers, they were basically told you can play football, you just can't play football here. They were kicked out of the Santa Clara County. They had nowhere to go. They were homeless for a while. They have two games coming up that were at home. They're on a two-week quarantine in that part of the country. And so they are now having to go to Arizona State Farm Stadium and finish their games in Arizona, at least their home games. Um, Good news is it's only for two weeks, so they'll be back in San Francisco. But, uh, yeah, the the Cardinals are going to have a – it's like having your, uh, you know, your your uncle that mooches off of you, just hanging out at your house, kicking his feet up at your house, drinking your beer, and uh, eating your food. The, the Cardinals aren't going to like it much. It's going to be a crowded house, but, uh, you know, hey, I'm only here for two weeks, and then the two weeks turns into two years. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that long, but uh, it's nice of the Cardinals to accommodate the 49ers. Uh, in in their home in the desert. DJ Moore had an x-ray on his ankle. He might be out for week 13. Nobody knows. You know, he's uh, reports already might play or he'll probably play. And then there's reports that nobody knows. And I, I go with nobody knows. We'll see. It's just something to monitor. Uh, Ertz isn't coming off the IR, IR yet. He was expected to come off. He's not. And, I mean, at this point, what's the rush? Uh, Rodgers and Goddard are playing fine. I actually... Ertz was kind of struggling this year. Uh, it could be just that they don't want him to come off of IR, and that could be the case. Mark Andrews was placed on the COVID list, uh, and so he might not be available for the Steeler game, but J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list and weren't supposed to play in this game, and now they're already going to come off of the list and they're going to play in this game. That's how long this game has been, and this game is kind of aggravating to me. Because the NFL is basically bending to the will of the Ravens. The the Ravens are like, hey, we don't want to play today. We'll play tomorrow. And the NFL is like, okay, well, the game's tomorrow. Well, we, you know, we had some positives, but we'll announce them tomorrow, even though they were like three days ago. So the situation seems more dire than it is. And... So then the NFL's like, oh, well, we can't possibly play. Let's make it the next day. So it's going to be, you know, first it was, oh, it's going to be Sunday. Oh, no, now it's going to be Monday. We're going to do it Monday. Then it's, oh, it's going to be Tuesday. And the the Ravens didn't have their practice uh, field or their facility open on Monday. So then it's like, oh, they can't possibly play without practice. Meanwhile, the Broncos are over there without quarterbacks, without practice, and it's okay. But uh, the Ravens, you know, they need practice. And so then the next day it's like, oh, well, we'll do it for Tuesday then. You can't play Monday. And then Harbaugh's like, well, my team doesn't want to play. They're upset that uh, they're kind of being forced to play on a Tuesday and they don't feel like it's safe and they're ready. 
And so the NFL's like, okay, we'll make it Wednesday. And uh, we'll give you plenty of time to play this game and then prepare for the Cowboys. That game will be moved to Monday. And then, oh, no, now it's going to be Tuesday. In the meantime, you know, the Steelers have to play. Uh, they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving, but now they're going to play on Wednesday. And then turn over on Monday and have to play a Monday game. So they actually get less rest than the Ravens do. It's like the Ravens get the uh, all the rest and get to decide when they want to play to make this game happen. And I just keep joking that, uh, you know, when the, the Ravens are physically and emotionally ready for this game to happen, then uh, that's when it's going to happen. And I don't know when that's going to be. Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe they're waiting for Lamar Jackson to get back. They're just going to keep delaying until Mark Jackson's or Lamar Jackson's ready to play. And uh, then the Harbaugh's going to be like, okay, I, I think it's time. It's time. Um, who knows? Like, now the game's supposed to be on Wednesday. We'll see. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And uh, I just want to wrap a bow on this week 12. And I haven't been able to because this game will not be played. It's, uh, it's At this point, it's kind of tiring to talk about. Like We built this up as this great rivalry game that we can't wait to see. And it's like a week later, and we're still building this game up, talking about it. And it's just like, I'm done talking about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's just get on to week 13. Yay! Going through the morning recap of the Sunday games, go through it kind of quick because it was just a really bad week in general. If you're a gambler or fantasy football person, and you survived, you know, you, you won a lot of money or you had a great week in fantasy. I don't know how you did it. There was just a lot of disappointing performances and just a lot of things that didn't go right in this week. Um, having said that, the first game we'll talk about Falcons Raiders, 43-6. to Really, there's nothing to talk about. Derek Carr was a big disappointment, 215 yards with four turnovers, an interception and three fumbles. Jacobs had a fumble, 27 yards rushing. And then, I mean, Aguilar was a hot name going into it. Five catches for 54 yards. Darren Waller, four for 23. Just really bad all the way around. Hunter Renfro was the only one that was kind of decent, and he only had 73 yards without any touchdowns. So, I mean, Calvin Ridley scored a touchdown, but it was on 50 yards, and it wasn't the dominant performance you were expecting in this matchup. And then everyone was kind of high on Brian Hill, replacing Todd Gurley. He only had 13 catches for 55 yards and was in a running back by committee with Ido Smith, who made an, an appearance out of nowhere, got a touchdown, 65 yards. Matt Ryan, I mean, threw a pick, two touchdowns, only had 185 yards passing. Of course, they didn't really need to be when they're scoring defensive touchdowns. and uh, Just overall, it was a bad game. Falcons dominated. Came out of nowhere. It was real surprising. Raiders were poised to make their push for postseason, and instead you're kind of asking questions about what went on in this game. It was uh, it was not one that you were you're really happy with if you're a Raiders fan at all. The Bills Chargers, this was another one that was kind of weird. Like you knew the Bills were gonna win this game. They were just had the better team in general. But Justin Herbert was poised to have a pretty good game and he threw for 316 yards which isn't bad but he's had one touchdown one interception really uh really didn't have the game that you thought he would and 
the person that really came out and had a great game, Austin Eckler, and it wasn't for his rushing because he only had 44 yards rushing on 14 carries, but he had 11 receptions for 85 yards. Now, he didn't score, so that kind of capped him a little bit. I mean, if you have a PPR league, you definitely like the receptions. But I like Austin Eckler a lot, obviously, going forward. And uh, being able to score this many points without getting the uh, the touchdowns is a, is a great sign. Uh, Keenan Allen scored his touchdown but really didn't have a great game, 40 yards receiving. And then on the Buffalo Bills side, I was kind of disappointed in Josh Allen. Everyone thought he might be one of the top plays, which I did too. And... I mean, he was 18 for 24 for 157 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, even rushing the ball, I mean, he scored that one touchdown rushing, but he only had 32 yards on the ground. Just a disappointing day. And I would say with anyone, I mean, Stephon Diggs, 39 yards. Gabriel Davis got 79 yards and a touchdown. Like, he was the most productive Bill in this matchup. And uh, Singletary and Moss, they weren't bad, but them not scoring touchdowns really kind of hampered their fantasy output. Um, just overall wasn't a good day uh, in this game at all, and you're a little disappointed. The Giants and Bengals, this game happened kind of how you thought it would. The, the Bengals actually scored more points than I thought they would. Brandon Allen played a little bit better than I thought. I know he only got 136 yards, but he did get the touchdown to T. Higgins. And I was worried about T. Higgins. He didn't obviously get as many targets, but uh, 44 yards and a touchdown in this type of matchup was definitely uh, a good performance and better than expected. Wayne Gallman, he was kind of the story of the day, him and Ingram. Wayne Gallman got uh, 94 yards on 24 carries and a touchdown. He's really kind of distinguishing himself as the main back and uh, really needs to be picked up in all formats. And we'll talk about that more later on. But Evan Ingram finally had a great performance. You thought he was, you know, almost waiver material. You're ready to drop him. You couldn't handle another game where he had a great matchup and didn't produce. And in this one, he did. He got 129 yards. Uh, but it came at the cost of Golden Tate got 36 yards. Darius Slayton got zero yards on only two targets. It was just a really bad day all around for uh, most of the, the Giants receivers. And even Sterling Shepard, who got eight targets, he only got 64 yards receiving on seven catches. Really, uh, it was really disappointing. And, and Evan Ingram, he had the fumble that was lost. He could have had a better day than he did. But uh, Bengals side, I mean, you didn't expect much. So everything <laughs> that you got from the Bengals is actually more than what we thought it would be. Giovanni Bernardo only got 32 yards rushing and 17 yards receiving. So maybe you expected a little bit, little bit more there with the uh, the troubles they were going to have passing the ball. But, yeah, I do not want to be a Bengals fan right now. You see what happens without Joe Burrow. And not that they were winning with Joe Burrow, but they're definitely losing without him. Uh, they they were close. They You know, it was a two-point game, so kudos for them to stick with it and, and fight to the end but overall this just wasn't a a really well played game and then you have the titans and the colts and man talk about a blowout the titans are just a better team than the colts the colts have a great defense but with that offense just how inconsistent it is i mean you can't really ever trust them 
Titans deserve to be the top of the division. And, I mean, the Colts will make the playoffs. I think they'll end the season at like a 10-6 and record. But Phillip Rivers, he's a... he he never he always has a better game stat wise than it looks like when you watch him play. He had 295 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. And uh, with Jonathan Taylor being on the COVID list, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. I mean, six and 22 for Wilkins, 10 for 29 for Hines. Really, everything was receiving yards. T.Y. Hilton came out of the woodworks to get 81 yards and a touchdown. Uh, when you get a T.Y. Hilton uh, sighting, it's always an exciting thing. And then Trey Burton doing what he does, getting the touchdown. Those 42 yards were just a cherry on top. Um, on the Titan side of the ball, A.J. Brown, 98 yards and a touchdown. Really, it all came on that one 69-yard catch. He really didn't do much outside of that, but... It was a, a great fantasy day, nonetheless, because of that. And then Corey Davis getting 70 yards on three catches was pretty efficient. I, you know, I would have liked him to get more points, but on three catches, you, you can't complain. And then Derrick Henry, we, we're going to be talking about this forever because it was past Thanksgiving. This is when he starts his uh, his domination of the league, and he didn't miss a beat. Thanksgiving hit, boom. 178 yards, three touchdowns. He's just uh, a load to handle, and the Colts couldn't do it. Even uh, they were missing a couple people, but they still have the number one rushing defense. It didn't matter in this one. Well, I shouldn't say number one. They're they're in the top five. Um, but regardless, uh, even with the DeForest Buckner missing, you, you thought it would make a difference, but not that much of a difference. It really made a difference. Henry basically did whatever he wanted against this defense and it wasn't pretty and then moving on to the minnesota vikings and carolina panthers this was kind of an odd game dj moore didn't really do anything he got hurt robbie anderson got the touchdown in the 94 yards really good day for him Teddy Bridgewater didn't do what I thought he was going to do. I actually liked him as a play this week. Only had 267 yards and one touchdown and the interception. Um, really not a lot rushing. Uh, Mike Davis got 55 yards on the ground. And then on Minnesota, Justin Jefferson did great. I mean, two touchdowns, seven catches for 70 yards. But there's four receivers with seven catches. So Kirk Cousins really spread the ball around. Uh, B.C. Johnson got 74 yards on seven catches so actually more productive than Jefferson uh, as he was 100% on his on his receptions to targets but uh, Jefferson got the two touchdowns so that obviously makes him the better play uh, but he got 13 targets so really it was just over half like 50% of his catch to target ratio which isn't that good but again that Jefferson was going to be the main focus for the Panthers and he you know for Jefferson to do what he did it kind of proves that he can be a number one receiver and then Kyle Rudolph seven catches for 68 yards good for him good to see old Kyle Rudolph Irv Smith was out of the game he was hurt he might be out of the some more games in the future it's good to know that they're going to still feed the ball to the tight end and Kyle Rudolph is that guy good good job and then Chad Beebe it was Good to see him get uh, 63 yards and a touchdown. 
and uh, he, he again was you know seven uh, targets, seven receptions. It's a really efficient day for the Vikings. They did a good job in this one, and uh, it was close, and the Vikings were able to pull it out. Patriots, Cardinals, not a lot to talk about. Kyler Murray, not a good day. Hopkins, not a good day. Kenyon Drake, though, he had a good day. He had two touchdowns, almost had another touchdown. Didn't quite work out for him, unfortunately. But other than that, really, that was Kenyon Drake's the only one to talk about. But it's good to see that from Kenyon Drake because it's really showing that he's establishing himself as the number one receiver. On the Patriots side of the ball, I mean, James White vultured uh, Damian Harris's touchdowns. James White got uh, two touchdowns. Um, other than that, though, he didn't really do much. And, yeah, that's really all there is to say about this game. Patriots pull off the upset. And if you're a Cardinal fan, it's got to be maddening. You have that like that offense that's a top-five offense that looks so great. And then you play these mediocre teams and lose, you know, kind of like the Washington football team game, this Patriot game. And uh, then you play great teams, and you're right in the hunt, hanging with them. It's just uh, it's really hard to figure the Arizona Cardinals out at this point. Dolphins-Jets game, I mean, Fitzpatrick is the man. He had a good game. Two touchdown passes, 257 yards. Sam Darnold did not have a good game, 197 yards with two picks. And, I mean, Devontae Parker, eight catches, 119 yards. That was basically the story for Miami. There really wasn't a story for the Jets. I mean, Gore got 74 yards rushing. Perryman got 79 yards receiving. Mims got 67. Uh, they both got 50% of their targets with the four catches. Uh, Crowder didn't do as well as what people were hoping for with just the three catches for 31 yards. Just an ugly game that the Dolphins won. And the Dolphins were the better team. Jets are looking for their first win. Uh, who knows when that's going to come. But then the Browns and the Jaguars is the final game of the morning that we're going to talk about. Baker Mayfield finally showing up to play. 258 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over, which was the big thing. And then Nick Chubb only carried the ball 19 times but got 144 yards rushing. Got the touchdown. Cream Hunt was kind of disappointing. He was kind of the big play just because he was cheaper in most leagues, so I think he got the uh, more of more play and run of being a, a good matchup. But uh, he had 62 yards on the ground. And receiving-wise, I mean, Chubb got 32 yards on three receptions. Cream Hunt was targeted twice, didn't get anything. So Chubb was actually got more receiving yards, which that doesn't happen. That doesn't ever happen. Landry obviously had his breakout game, finally, 12 weeks into the season. 11 targets, 8 catches, 143 yards. And, yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars, James Robinson just continues to be that steady Eddie. And we're all talking about Antonio Gibson, but I like James Robinson. I mean, he's been the more consistent back. And this isn't to take away from Antonio Gibson because I'd like Antonio Gibson. I think he's a great play. Uh, from here on out, but James Robinson has been doing it from week one, and it's taken Antonio Gibson, you know, half the season to start producing like he's doing right now. So it's it's like take the guy that's been doing it from the beginning, 
and that's been James Robinson. And, and Mike Glennon actually played a lot better than I thought he would. He got 235 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so you, you can't really knock that, especially with DJ Chark being out, not playing in this game. It was a solid performance all the way around. Uh, but he really mixed the ball around, too, because there's not any single receiver that had a big game. It was just a pretty efficient day overall for, for all the weapons in the Jaguars. And, uh, yeah, that the morning games, they were surprising, and there wasn't a lot of production. So you, you're pretty sad if you had a lot of starts in the morning. It probably meant that uh, you weren't going to have a, a winning <laughs> week this week, unfortunately. Well, we'll continue with the Sunday afternoon games, and we'll get to the night games. But the NFL... Not sure what you're doing to us. Making a team play without a quarterback. It made for some lousy football. If I'm a Bronco fan, I'm a little bit upset. I get it was the Broncos' problem, and it was their fault that they were shorthanded at quarterback. But uh, it was also one of those things where you're so accommodating to some teams. You keep pushing back the schedule, getting guys healthy to play games. And then the Broncos, you're like, no, you got to play with what you have. And it was... A disappointing performance like you'd expect I mean I give props to Kendall Hinton because he hasn't played quarterback since you know a couple years in at the University of Wake Forest and it showed I mean he he's he's not a tall guy he's not a tall quarterback so uh, not able to see over that line he was one for nine 13 yards through two interceptions so pretty much after the two interceptions they're like all right we we can't do this. We just need to run the ball. And Royce Freeman was able to get 50 yards. Taysom Hill threw an interception, but then after that they're like, well, we need to stick to the ground game and just uh, make sure we don't, you know, put the Denver in position to score any points. Uh, and uh, the Tavis Murray had a heck of a game because of that. 19 carries for 124 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, outside of that, though, it was pretty much just a bad performances all the way around. And if – you know, I get it. If you're the Saints, you're going to do what you can to win. And that just consisted of running the ball, making sure you didn't turn it over, and getting out of there, making sure you're healthy. And it was the strategy that was needed. It wasn't very entertaining or fun to watch. And, you know, again, the, the NFL's reluctance to accommodate the Broncos but accommodate other teams. And I get it. You know, you don't want to forfeit games. Uh, you need that money and that revenue. But at the same time, is that really what you want to throw out there for fans and, you know, the TV networks? Probably not the best look in that regard. And um, the NFL is trying to, to defend it. But if you're a Bronco fan, I'd be livid, and I don't know how you can defend that. Uh, moving on to the Rams losing to the San Francisco 49ers 23-20. Definitely an upset. The Rams just continue to be in position to take over the division, and then they can't do it. Um, this was not a great performance by Jared Goff. He threw two interceptions. Nick Mullins threw an interceptions, uh, or one interception. There was no touchdowns to be had through the air. Um, Akers looked pretty good. He only had nine carries, but he had 84 yards and a touchdown. And Raheem Mostert on his game back, 16 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. Really good day all the, all the way around. The big headliner was Debo Samuel. Got 11 targets for 133 yards. 
you know, if he scored a touchdown, we'd be talking about it a lot more. This is a good thing for Debo Samuel because he's their main weapon, and they use him in so many different ways that it's fun to watch. And Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup, uh, Cooper Cup didn't really have a great game. Uh, Bobby Trees got his seven catches for 80 yards on on 12 targets, but uh, this was kind of a disappointing performance all the way around uh, again. And I mean, Niners were able to pull it out. Good for them. They're staying relevant in that West. And you look at that division, and it's really just one or two games with, uh, what, five more to go. This is really going to come down to the, to the wire, and it's going to be fun to watch. And speaking of fun to watch, how about those Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, they didn't have a high-scoring game like you're used to with that offense. But Patrick Mahomes, 462 yards and three touchdowns. All to Tyreek Hill, who had 13 catches for 269 yards with three touchdowns. I mean, that's just a story right there. We don't need to go much further. I mean, Kelsey did his thing with 82, but uh, it was, I mean, a lot of this was in the first half too. So imagine if they just kept this up throughout the whole game. It would have been just unbelievable. Buccaneers, you know, they didn't really play well. Most of the, most everything happened towards the second half. Gronkowski got 100 yards on six receptions. Godwin got 97, so he had a pretty good day. And Mike Evans got two touchdowns, which was, you know, a good performance for him, 50 yards. Mike Evans is actually the most reliable receiver. You know, you thought Godwin would be and that Mike Evans would kind of fade out with uh, the return of, or I shouldn't say the return, but the uh, Antonio Brown signing with the team. And Antonio Brown's really not really been a factor as much as you wanted him to be or thought he would be. Uh, you thought he'd go back to his days of being a top number one receiver. And he's really just been a secondary piece. And he's kind of splitting some of those targets with uh, Chris Godwin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans is the one that's been benefiting the most from it. Ronald Jones didn't have a great game on the ground, 66 yards on nine carries, but he did get that 37-yard touchdown. That really helped him have a pretty relevant day. And then Tom Brady, 345 yards, three touchdowns. If it wasn't for those two interceptions, we'd be talking about his day a lot more. It was a a pretty productive day, even though I've never seen a quarterback throw for 345 yards and and not look that good. Uh, I thought there was a lot of room for improvement. Brady missed some throws, and uh, that's just the way it goes with uh, Tom Brady. You know, he he gets the stats, though, in that offense. Arians likes to throw the ball, so Um, it was an entertaining game, fun to watch, and the better team won that one. Packers and the Bears, I, I don't really want to talk about the Packers and the Bears. I mean, the Bears are just really horrible to watch. They keep getting on prime time, and we keep having to watch this offense, and I just can't do it. I can't do it. The, Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball looked great. I mean, four touchdowns on 211 yards passing. Uh, Tanyan, Adams, uh, Mercedes Lewis, Alan Lazard, they all scored. Uh he really distributed the ball around. And Aaron Jones, he got 90 yards rushing. If he scored, it would have been would have been a, a better day. You kind of would expect that from Aaron Jones, at least getting one touchdown. Didn't happen, but he still had a pretty productive day. The uh, touchdown went to Jamal Williams, who had a lot of carries as well. And then David Montgomery on the Chicago side, 103 yards on 11 carries. This was a David Montgomery we've been waiting to see. 
he didn't score, unfortunately. Well, he did receiving the ball. He got five catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. But, um, yeah, this is kind of a breakout. Well, I shouldn't say breakout because he's p- produced, but it, it's definitely a, a little bit different than those 40 yard games with a touchdown or two that uh, makes him relevant. This was actually a great performance and really uh, the yards were intriguing to watch and hopefully they keep it up in the future because Chicago really needs to be able to run the ball for them to do anything on offense. Allen Robinson got the two late touchdowns, 74 yards receiving. It's Allen Robinson, that's what we expect. And I hate to say this, but Mitchell Trubisky, I always bag on him and I don't think he's a good quarterback but he's to be in there instead of Nick Foles I've seen Nick Foles and I'm really hard on Mitch Trubisky but at least the Chicago Bears score with Mitchell Trubisky I mean Nick Foles they don't even move the ball and it's it's sad for me to admit that because I've been so so hung up on Mitch Mitchell Trubisky and definitely I don't think either of them are the answer in the future but at least for the rest of the season, you need to go with Mitchell Trubisky and, and give your team a shot, especially with this defense. Um, this performance was embarrassing by the Bears, and you're wondering if this is just going to be a free fall or if they're going to be able to rebound and you know, gather some wins under their belt from here on out. Packers, though, they look good. They're, uh, it's tough to say if they're the best team in the NFC right now. Um, they're definitely looking better on offense than the Seahawks, who I would also put up there. But, uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just, he's a difference maker, man. He does whatever he wants to do, and he's, a uh, he's, a uh, he's the guy. Um, Seahawks, Eagles, I don't want to talk about this game either. This was a horrible game. Russell Wilson didn't play well. Carson Wentz, I mean... This is the thing about Carson Wentz. People rip on him, saying that he can't hit people, he's not a good quarterback, but then he has a fantasy-relevant day. He threw for 215 yards, had two touchdowns, threw the interception, but um, he also rushed the ball for 42 yards on, on five carries, which means he was the leading rusher for the Eagles. And, I mean, that's like a 24-point fantasy football day. You'll take that out of your quarterback. And this was a great matchup for him, so he should have excelled. But I'll be honest, he didn't look as good as what I was thinking he could against his defense. And then at the end of the day, you look at the stats, you're like, wow, this was, it didn't pass the eye test, but it passes the uh, the stats test, passes a fantasy football test. Russell Wilson, 230 yards and a touchdown. Not, uh, not his best day. Eagles are a good uh, defense, though. The one that did have a great day was DK Metcalf. 10 catches for 177 yards. That's just insane. Uh, you can't say enough about DK Metcalf. He's definitely one of the, well, he is. He's one of the top receivers in the NFL, and he's fun to watch every day. He's just a beast running out there, and he, no one can cover him. Chris Carson came back and had a good effort. I mean, eight carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Definitely looked like the best back in Seattle. And from here on out, uh, I think you can kind of take the training wheels off of him and just let him go because he is the guy in the running back to own. Um, having said that, you know, we can preview the Baltimore Steeler game because that's the only game left. But that game, for all I know, I mean, it was pushed back to Wednesday, like we talked about in breaking news. And who knows if it's not pushed back to like 
week 13. They'll play a week 12 game in week 13. It's just uh, to the point now where uh, when that game's played and I see it, then I'll believe it. So that's our recap. It uh, was a, like I said, a disappointing week. Wanted a, a lot of great matchups that just didn't happen. It was unfortunate. And then I want to go over my list really quick because I like to go over my stars of the week and that you know how I do. And usually I'm pretty good. This week I was not. So we'll start off with my stars of the week at QB. I had Josh Allen versus the Chargers. Josh Allen didn't have the game we wanted him to. He had the rushing touchdown through to Dawson Knox for the touchdown. Uh, another touchdown pass was by Cole Beasley to Gabriel Davis. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen just didn't have the game that you thought he would against the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes, I had him at number two. Uh, that was a good call. He was up there. He dominated like we thought he would. So that was a good call. And then I had Derek Carr, and we've talked about that ad nauseum, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Bad call on that. In fact, he was probably the worst quarterback of the week. Um, and you don't expect that when uh, he's, he's lined up to be one of the best. Running back Dalvin Cook just didn't happen this week. I still haven't lost my faith in him, but, you know, he's not always going to have the big weeks. It's just disappointing because this was a week where he had the matchup and uh, he didn't do it. And you're not used to seeing that from Davin Cook, but uh, every person's mortal and Davin Cook definitely showed his mortality in this one. Cream Hunt versus the Jaguars. He was my number two. Nick Chubb was the guy. Cream Hunt was uh, an afterthought. Wasn't utilized that well by Cleveland in this game. And uh, yeah, pretty disappointing performance. But then I had Wayne Gallman against the Bengals, and this one I don't feel bad about. He wasn't the top three, but he was productive. I mean, he scored a touchdown, had 90 yards rushing. It was a it was a good day for Wayne Gallman, and he definitely proved to be the number one back in the, for the Giants, and I think that's the case even with uh, Devonta Freeman getting back from IR if he does. Uh, I'd still stick with Wayne Gallman at this point. Ride receiver had Calvin Ridley. I mean, he scored a touchdown, but only had 50 yards receiving. Definitely not a number one performance and very disappointing. DJ Moore, again, very disappointing. He got hurt, so, I, you know, he should be ready to go next week. He might not. We don't know. But uh, he definitely didn't have a top three performance like we thought he would. And then Michael Pittman versus Tennessee. The magic that he had the first time he played Tennessee just wasn't there. Michael Pittman was just, it was brutal. I mean, he got like two, a little under two fantasy points. Um, I don't know where Philip Rivers was looking to throw the ball, but it wasn't at Michael Pittman, and uh, he didn't have a good game. Tight end, uh, more of the same. Darren Waller, you know, got 23 yards receiving, uh, 24 yards receiving, just horrible day with a, a prime matchup in the Falcons. And then Hunter Henry at the Bills. Hunter Henry had two drops that were pretty sizable uh, gains if he was able to catch them. But Hunter Henry just is not having a good season this year. And then Trey Burton, you know, he made it. He was actually on the number three spot right where I had him. So I feel good about that. A game against the Titans, 42 yards receiving and a touchdown. So good call there. But, you know, out of the 
out of all the positions, we got Patrick Mahomes, we got Trey Burton. The rest were duds, but so is life. So is the synopsis of Week 12. It kind of matches with that theme of just how bad of a week it was. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. We'll get right into the goats this week because, uh, to be honest, it was pretty easy to find the goats because there wasn't that many of them. The ghosts were a lot harder because there was plenty of ghosts to be had in this week. I don't know if it was the COVID, the postponement of games, uh, the players being lethargic from all the turkey on Thanksgiving, but uh, it just a lot of players didn't meet expectations with great matchups. And if you're fighting for a playoff spot and played these matchups with these guys thinking that you're going to have an advantage, you were greatly disappointed by what transpired. Having said that, we'll go right into the GOATs of the week at QB. Number three was Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears. 21 for 29. He didn't throw for a lot of yards, 211. It's kind of ho-hum, but four touchdowns. I mean, he was throwing out touchdowns like they were Thanksgiving Day gravy just dumping him on every, everybody, on everything. Tanya got a touchdown. Devontae Adams got a touchdown. Lazard got a touchdown. Everyone got a touchdown. Ran the ball two times for 12 yards and just had a great game. And then you move over to the number two GOAT of the week, Patrick Mahomes at the Buccaneers. You know, we, we previewed this game saying that this was going to be the Buccaneers' weak spot and this was going to be Mahomes' strength, and it transpired that way. 37 for 49, 462 yards. Now, obviously, we knew Mahomes would have a great game. Didn't think he'd have 462 yards worth. And the funny, well, not the funny thing, the amazing thing about it was a lot of those were to Tyreek Hill. Those three touchdowns that he threw, to Tyreek Hill. So we'll uh, get to that later. But just watching that combination right now, is it's fun to watch. They're, uh, I don't know how you stop that right now. And uh, Kansas City's playing like the best team in the NFL right now. Mahomes also had four runs for 28 yards, but really impressive with his passing. And then our number one GOAT of the week was Deshaun Watson at the Lions. 17 for 25, 318 yards, and four touchdowns. Ran the ball eight times for 24 yards. And, I mean, Will Fuller had a couple touchdowns. And, you know, obviously we'll be talking about that one later as well. It was just really fun to see Deshaun Watson and uh, what he looks like post-Bill O'Brien and how he runs this offense and how he has command of this offense. Really great game on Thanksgiving, and uh, we can only expect more in the future. <laughs> Moving to our running back goats of the week. This first goat of the week, I should say the number three goat of the week, happened to be a situation where we knew the person was going to get more rushing opportunities than normal. But due to a unique situation that's never happened before in the NFL where a practice squad wide receiver was forced to play quarterback due to all the other quarterbacks on the roster meeting without masks NFL said you needed to uh, you know they all were ineligible and you need to figure it out so Denver did they had Kendall Hinton playing quarterback that changed the Saints game plan to have someone like Latavius Murray rush for 124 yards and two touchdowns he had he only had 19 carries really solid production and again 
with Taysom Hill playing quarterback, we knew his production was going to go up anyways because they're a more run-oriented team than they were with Drew Brees, obviously. Uh, but we didn't think it was going to go to this extent. And, I mean, I get it. You don't want the Broncos to, you know, you don't want to throw an interception to get the Broncos good field position. You want to keep the ball away from them, and, uh, you know, you're still able to march down the field with that offense. And that's what they did, and it was effective. So uh, Tavis Murray, this is the first time he's ever entered into the Ghost of the Week, and he deserves it. He definitely outpaced Alvin Kamara. And, uh, I mean, I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara. Some people are kind of worried with Taysom Hill being the quarterback. He's not getting the receiving volume that he gets, which is huge for Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara doesn't actually get a lot of rushing attempts throughout a game compared to other number one backs. Um, but I, I guess it really just comes down to your patience. Are you going to make the playoffs? If so, you hang on to him because Drew, uh, Drew Brees should be back by the playoffs. If you're not, you're, you're scrambling. Maybe, uh, yeah, you need to make uh, a trade, or if the trade de- deadline's passed, you need to move on to somebody else. But uh, I, I still think he has some value, and you need to hang on to him and play him. Uh, I think it's Alvin Kamara. He sometimes doesn't need a lot of opportunity. But uh, the, this definitely increases Latavius Murray's uh, uh, volume, and it's going to until Drew Brees gets back. But I don't expect a game like this to happen again. This was kind of a you know, a, a out of the blue circumstance. But uh, if you played him because you were in a pinch, you, you benefited from it, and it was a rush to uh, to see the uh, to see that decision pay off like that. Number two goat of the week is Antonio Gibson. He should have been the number one. It was a Thanksgiving Day game against the Cowboys. The, the Washington Football Team just annihilated the Dallas Cowboys. He had 20 rushes for 115 yards and three touchdowns, and he had those back-to-back, like, you know, 23-yard run, 37-yard run. I I mean, the Cowboys couldn't contain him. And definitely as the game wore along, he uh, was able just to dominate it. He is turning into one of the best rookie running backs in the NFL. I still would give the nod to James Robinson just because James Robinson's been more consistent and he's been doing this since day one. But you, you can't ignore Antonio Gibson and what he's doing. And as much as he's scoring, he's one of the top backs, not just rookie backs in the NFL. He also had five catches for 21 yards. Not that that was significant, but anyone getting seven targets on top of 20 carries is needs to be played all the time, and uh, you can expect good things from. Number one, we don't even need to talk about it. I'll be honest, I thought the post-Thanksgiving Day March that he usually has would happen after this week, but he started early. It's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving hit, and Derrick Henry is doing his thing. He's going to be a force to reckon with the rest of the way. This was against the number one rush defense, and I get it. The Colts had three starters out. The force Buckner was out, and that was a huge blow. But he rushed the ball 27 times for 178 yards, three touchdowns, three. He was just out of control. He probably could have rushed for more, but, I mean, the Titans were really dominating at that point against the Colts, and I'm sure they kind of called the dogs off a little bit on this and he also was targeted four times in the passing game he only got two of those for seven yards but that's still significant because on top of the rushing yards he's still being targeted in the passing game and if you have Derrick Henry right now you really got to like your chances for a postseason run and when you get to the playoffs you really got to like your chances of being productive and maybe winning this thing because 
I mean, some of these matchups that Derrick Henry has coming up are just ridiculous. Uh, you know, and, and they're like the matchups that you dream about in a playoff situation. So, uh, good for Derrick Henry. I'm sure we're going to see him on this list uh, many more times. He's, he might actually replace Dalvin Cook as the uh, weekly uh, top player of the week. Jumping in to the wide receiver, Goats of the Week. This first one is a player where you're probably disappointed in him most of the season. You might have dropped him, and I hope you didn't drop him last week and then see what he performed this week. Uh, just because this is Jarvis Landry for the Cleveland Browns at the Jaguars. 11 targets for, you know, he had 8 catches for 143 yards. One touchdown. And... This is the performance you were waiting for for Jarvis Landry. So if you played him this week in good faith, he definitely had that good faith payoff because this is the performance you've been wanting from Jarvis Landry a couple times so far this season that you didn't get. And, I mean, right at this point, you're going to keep playing him in these good matchups, and you're hoping that the Cleveland Browns passing attack kind of turned a corner. And it's, it's shady with Baker Mayfield just because of – how you know inaccurate he can be at some time at some points but uh yeah you, you finally got the performance that you're expecting from Jarvis Landry and you just hope it continues the number two goat of the week this will be his last time on the goats of the week and I'm not saying that because he's injured or I don't think he'll have another good game it's just that he won't have another game it's Will Fuller at Detroit He's uh, the Houston Texans wide receiver who, you know, previously we talked about in the breaking news, was suspended for PED usage. Had seven targets, six catches for 131 yards, two touchdowns. It was just a dominating performance, and it's kind of the Houston passing attack that we thought we'd see uh, with Bill O'Brien. And now that he's gone, you're starting to see that offense really open up and use those weapons that they have. And Will Fuller, you're worried about his, uh, him you know, when you drafted him just because of his injury history. And I don't blame you. Like, when someone drafted him, I made the comment, well, he should be good for those two games that he'll be available. And he stayed available most of the season. And he was really the number one receiver in that offense. And he looked good. It's just unfortunate that it was an injury that did him in. It's going to be a PED suspension. So, uh, But the number one GOAT of the week, Tyreek Hill at the Buccaneers. It was just it was ridiculous. He probably could have done a lot more. It was almost like he did all this by the half, and they're like, all right, let's call it a half. The game's over. Let's just put it on cruise control because Tyreek Hill, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver at the Buccaneers, had 15 targets for 13 catches and 269 yards and three touchdowns. All three of Patrick Mahomes' touchdown passes were to Tyreek Hill. It was just a thing of beauty to watch them connect and that chemistry they have. I think this won't be the first time Tyreek Hill makes one of the top three goats of the week. That Kansas City offense just looks explosive, and they do. They look like the best team so far this season. And I said the same thing when I was talking about Patrick Mahomes, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is an offense that uh, hasn't really faded. They're just uh, getting better and, and stronger. <laughs> On to the tight end goats of the week. We had some old faces on here. We've had someone that we've been waiting to take advantage of one of these matchups, and they haven't to this point. And they, they finally did 
uh, this last weekend. Our number three go to the week is Evan Ingram, New York Giants, tight end. They were at the Cincinnati Bengals. He was targeted nine times, had six catches for 129 yards. It was a, a great performance. It was one that you've been waiting for from Evan Ingram. They were kind of force-feeding him the ball for a while, so he thought uh, those you know his numbers would finally show up. They haven't been, and this was the game for him to do it. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones got hurt, so you know, looking on at his situation, he might have a chance to play next week. But if he doesn't, that might have been a one-time thing on the goats list, and uh, he'll be done. But if Daniel Jones is able to come back, I think Evan Ingram has a couple more games that he can, uh, you know, produce. Uh, these stats, except for you hope he had a touchdown. I mean, you get 129 yards, you're hoping for at least one touchdown. He didn't get it, but uh, still a top three tight end performance. Number two, Trey Burton, the Indianapolis Colts tight end against the Tennessee Titans. This was really in a blowout. He was targeted six times, caught three of those for 42 yards, and what the difference between him and Evan Ingram was was that Trey Burton caught a touchdown. And Trey Burton, he's he's a good weapon for the Colts. He runs the ball at the goal line sometimes. Of course, they've been using Jacoby Brissett at the goal line uh, right now. So, but I think of out of all the tight ends, Trey Burton's the one that you have the most confidence in that he's going to be targeted more regularly. I do like Mo Alley Cox, but uh, with Trey Burton healthy and Jack Doyle healthy, he just kind of you know takes a back seat to to those two. And, and Jack Doyle can block, but he's not much of a pass catcher. So uh, Trey Burton, he had a good matchup here, and he really produced. And then the number one person just happened on Sunday night. It was Robert Tanyan getting those passes from Aaron Rodgers when the Packers really embarrassed the Chicago Bears. He caught five. He actually was targeted five times and had five catches. So 100% on the target-to-catch ratio, 67 yards, one touchdown. And he was just one of many that uh, received touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. And it was a, it was a good showing. Um, but, again, with the tight ends, when your, your top tight end is like 60 yards and a touchdown, it just kind of shows the, the drop-off we've had since the first couple of weeks at tight end where, you know, just a kind of a average performance is getting top billing. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that with our our ghosts of the week because there's there's a lot of disappointing performances as well but good for Robert Tanyan it was good to see him be uh, part of that uh, Packers offense with Lazard back and I I think he's a mainstay and a staple in that offense and he's going to going to continue to be a weapon regardless of who's in and out of the lineup Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban ghosts of the week get this started now it's time for our QB ghosts of the week and there was a lot to choose from in this one but there's only three quarterbacks that really stood out and our number three ghost of the week was Cam Newton New England Patriots quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals he was 9 of 18 for 84 yards and that was passing that wasn't (laughs) That was passing, 84 yards passing, which with Cam Newton, he's not getting a lot of passing yards anyways. You kind of play him for his rushing ability, but he only rushed the ball nine times for 46 yards, and he didn't produce any touchdowns rushing or passing. 
and he threw two uh, two interceptions. So the two picks really hurt him. Uh, really created a horrible day. And if you play Cam Newton thinking he was going to have a great game against the Cardinals, you're mistaken. And I can't say I don't blame you. I thought Cam Newton might be a good play here, and he wasn't. He was the opposite. Number two goes to the week, Jared Goff versus the 49ers. This one was kind of expected. Jared Goff, you know, had a good week last week. That was pretty unexpected because it was a good matchup. But uh, here against the 49ers, 19 for 31, 198 yards. Rushed the ball five times for 11 yards. He also threw two interceptions. Really horrible day. The 49ers upset the Rams. Rams were at home. You know, they were depleted on the defense and on offense, to be honest. They're depleted everywhere. So I I thought this might open up the, the gate a little bit for Goff to have a decent game based off of this matchup that was, you know, historically bad for him. Uh, But it didn't matter who was out there playing for the 49ers because they all have the same goal in mind, and that's to stop Jared Goff and make him look bad. And they did. They did a really good job of that. But nowhere near as bad as our number one ghost of the week. This was the biggest disappointment because everyone was saying, this matchup doesn't get any better for this person. You need to play him in all formats. You know, you saw what he did against Kansas City last week. He's going to do even better against this, you know, the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, I'm talking about the Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, 22 for 34 for 215 yards, one interception, fumbled the ball three times, and... I mean, four turner, uh, four total turnovers, five total turnovers by the Raiders. The Falcons annihilated them. This was a game that was going to put the Raiders right in the thick of the playoff hunt, and it was you know just a matter of seeding at this point. And then this loss really sets them back. And I mean, it was so bad that John Gruden had to apologize about how bad the quarterback play was. And Nathan Peterman, Mister Turnover himself, looked better than what Derek Carr did in this game. So I don't know what to do if you're the Raiders moving forward, but Derek Carr's got to play better and more consistent and I guess play well uh, against someone other than the Kansas City Chiefs. I really met a loss for words on what to say because this is, you know, you look at the matchups, you do all the analysis and and everything screamed, oh, this is going to be, you know, a – Derek Carr's going to destroy it. He's going to have a, the best week of the season. And all that came to nothing. And just a lot of disappointed fantasy owners. If you started him in, like, FanDuel DraftKings, you were disappointed. And really it was just an all-around ugly day in that regard for the whole entire Las Vegas Raiders offense. And I think a large part of that was, yeah, thank you, Derek Carr. Thank you for ruining the Raiders last week. (laughs) Getting right into our ghosts of the week at running back. And there's just as many disappointments as there were at quarterback. But number three on our list is Philip Lindsay versus the Saints. He rushed the ball nine times for 20 yards. And that was it. He did get injured. But it was late enough in the game that he still qualified to make our list for ghosts. You knew you needed to run the ball if you were the Denver Broncos. You weren't going to be able to pass it 
especially with a wide receiver playing quarterback. So you're hoping to, uh, you know, get those yards on the ground. And, of course, the Saints are really good at defending the run. But, uh, you know, that kind of fed right into the Saints' strengths, and Lindsey just had a really overall horrible day. I expected a little bit more from him, and it didn't happen. Josh Jacobs at the Falcons. You really expected a lot more from him in this matchup. He rushed the ball seven times for 27 yards, and he caught all of his targets, but it was for a measly 17 yards. So when you're getting like 30, low 30-something yards in total offense from your number one back, you're not happy about it. And he also had that fumble. So you had that fumble to it. It's, uh, it's a really tragic day, and you, were, you weren't winning very many fantasy football matchups with Josh Jacobs in your lineup. You know, just overall for the Raiders, it was a really bad day. And Josh Jacobs is really coming around with too many of these bad games on good matchups to, uh, you know, for my liking, especially for a number one running back. You need to have more confidence in, in approaching the playoffs. Or if you're fighting for a playoff spot with him, you're, you're probably not too confident. And I don't blame you. Like, you know, the Falcons were a good matchup. He was supposed to at least be serviceable, and he wasn't even that. So. You really got to be concerned if you're a Josh Jacobs owner at this point. And then number one, uh, it's kind of the same thing you have to be pretty concerned with. It's Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys running back. This was on Thanksgiving Day against Washington. Got out uh, outshined by Antonio Gibson. Elliott rushed the ball 10 times for 32 yards. And he was targeted three times in the passing game, caught it once for seven yards. Just was really bottled up by this Washington defense. They uh, really shut him down and tried to let the Andy Dalton beat them. Andy Dalton, you know, uh, cliff notes on this. Andy Dalton couldn't beat him through the air. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott gave you a really disappointing performance this week. And he's my number one. And he's my number one strictly because there was so much expected of him. He was supposed to help carry your team this week. And, you know, to start it off Thanksgiving with getting a dud like that, really kind of set the tone for the rest of your your week and uh, kind of a bitter pill to swallow in that regard. <laughs> now it's time for our wide receiver ghosts of the week. And, man, there was a lot to choose from. But number three, I'm going with Antonio Brown. For the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, against the Chiefs. They were at home. I thought this would be a big game for Antonio Brown. Instead, he was targeted three times. Two catches for 11 yards. Really melodramatic. Godwin and Evans had decent days. Antonio Brown did not. And it's just one of those things where you have three big receivers, there's always going to be someone left out. It's kind of like the Dallas situation with Gallup and uh, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. It seemed like Gallup was the one being left out. Well, in this offense, it's, it's Antonio Brown, and uh, I definitely wouldn't be playing him at this point until I see some production from him, because since he came and signed with the Buccaneers, you just haven't seen it. Number two is A.J. Green for the Bengals versus the Giants. Uh, he was targeted three times and had zero catches for zero yards. And A.J. Green is really becoming an afterthought in this offense, and it was Brandon Allen, so you didn't expect big performances from the Bengals anyways. But, I mean, to get goose-egged, you definitely expected a little bit more than that, I would think. 
Uh, my number one was Darius Slayton for the Giants at the Bengals. I was hearing a lot of talk about him being the start of the week against this horrible secondary. Darius Slayton was going to blow it up this week. He was going to be the play, to, the guy to play. And instead, he was only targeted two times for zero yards and uh, zero catches. Uh, it's unfortunate. And here's the thing is these games are on TV all the time, too. You know, the primetime games, there's, every week there's an AFC East game that's on primetime. I don't understand why the NFL is forcing the AFC East down our throats. They're on primetime. We have to watch them all the time. Uh, the Washington football team, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, like they're constantly in our face, constantly having to watch bad football. And I, for one, am just tired of it. So I just had to do that rant really quick because we're on the subject of uh, Darius Slayton and his bad performance. Well, the whole a the whole NFC East has just been a bad performance, and uh, I'm just waiting for the day where we don't have to see them on prime time every time we we turn on the TV. It'd be nice to see some other d divisions, actually good divisions that are playing good football, be on prime time instead. Um, but I get it, you know, it's the markets. They want those markets on prime time, and I I just can't take it anymore. I I'm tired of watching the NFC East. They were great in the 80s. They were all right in the 90s watching them. But uh, ever since then, I don't know. I'll pass. You know, I don't want seconds on that. Um, anyways, that uh, having two receivers in the same game being our ghost of the week, pretty disappointing overall in that game. And it was. It was a low-scoring game, so there wasn't a lot to be had from it. It's our tight end ghost of the week. There's definitely a lot of options for this one. And here's the three that we came up with. Number three was Jordan Reed, 49ers at the Rams. And, I mean, he was targeted six times. You like how many times he was targeted. It's relevant. And if he keeps getting six targets, you don't expect a bad performance. But he only had two catches for 18 yards. Um, they, they ended up winning the game against the Rams. But pretty poor performance, and you expected a lot more. He, there was some talk of him having a great week. He was a play that you guys you know, needed to consider uh, for FanDuel. He was a cheap option. You need to put him in there. And I did in some of my leagues. I, I really did like him, and I was really disappointed, as were, I'm sure, a lot of fantasy owners that tried to throw him in their lineup as well. Number two was Jared Cook at the Broncos. I mean, with Taysom Hill playing quarterback, Jared Cook's just been a non-factor. And, I mean, un until Drew Brees gets back, he shouldn't even be in your lineup. I don't even know if he should be on your roster at this point. I mean, he was targeted two times, zero catches, zero yards. And uh, Jared Cook might see better days ahead when Brees comes back. But for now, you can't really like his situation. And if he's on your roster, you're pretty much disappointed and struggling to find answers at that position. Number one, though, was Tyler Higby. He played the 49ers, had two targets, had one catch for six yards. I mean, 49ers, that's, they're kind of vulnerable at the tight end position. Tyler Higby didn't do anything. And uh, this is the thing with Tyler Higby, right? He'll, he has two great games where you're really excited about it, and then the rest have just been total duds. And that's no way to live, but... 
that's been tight end life in fantasy football this year. You know, you get those monster performances to, to having absolutely nothing, and uh, it's it's tough to to know which tight end at what point's going to do that. So I think everyone's looking to improve their tight end position. Uh, but Tyler Higby didn't help your confidence in him going into the playoffs, and he definitely should be on your bench if you have him. If you dropped him, you were you were one of the lucky ones that dropped him. Good for you. Uh, I think at this point he just needs to to stay dropped and off your roster. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. Here's the pickups to stick up segment. This is the part of the podcast that everyone's waiting for on how to improve your team. There's only a week or two left before the playoffs, and you want to have these pickups that are going to be productive for you and get you those W's so you can get in. And we got it right here on who to pick up. I'll be honest, this is not a great week. Most of the great pickups have been already done and accomplished. So we're really just getting the dinner scraps, and we're trying to find these dinner scraps that are going to help with your roster in case you had to plug them in. This is the part of the year where you definitely need to be thinking about backups. If you have a key injury, you want to make sure you have a backup that can still be productive and carry you, you through the playoffs. That's not always the case. You're definitely going to be weak in some spots, but uh, that's why we have the waiver wire period. Number three at quarterback, don't worry, I'm not going to say it's Kendall Hinton. That ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, that's not going to be a recommendation ever uh, on this show. But it is going to be Andy Dalton for the Cowboys. He has a lot of weapons around him. C.D. Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, he does have a tough matchup with the Ravens and then Week 16 with the Niners. But overall, I I like the weapons around him and and think he can be a productive backup quarterback for you. And number two is Mike Glennon for the Jaguars. This isn't a great quarterback, like, waiver wire period. I actually think it's one of the worst that we've had. But uh, it is what it is. Mike Glennon, I actually feel like, has some intrigue. He played better than I thought against Cleveland. His completion percentage was really good. He didn't have DJ Chark, so wait till he gets back. And there's, you know, they're going to have some games where they're going to have to pass a lot. And uh, I think Mike Glennon can get it done. So if you get an injury or you happen to have like a Brady or Bridgewater that's going to be having a bye this coming up week, he could be a good replacement for that. And then, of course, my number one is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Gotta love the beard. The Beard is the guy to own. He's my number one. Tua Tagovailoa has a thumb issue, and it might keep him out another week. Ryan Fitzpatrick has proven that he can be a good quarterback and productive quarterback. So anytime you can pick that up, you do, especially if you're hurting at the quarterback position. Running back, it was a little bit easier this week. Number three is Devontae Booker for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs was a little banged up. He's supposed to be playing, but... It still could dip into his production if they decide that uh, he's not meeting the expectations due to his injury. And Devontae Booker's still getting some action in play. I mean, he's he's uh, he's actually, yards per carry, been a little more productive than Josh Jacobs. And I just think even if he, you know, Josh Jacobs does play, uh, he's a good backup 
like handcuffed to have at this point of the season. So he's my number three option. My number two option, dipping into the Los Angeles Rams well. I hate to do it because any given week, right, any given week, you never know. Uh, but it's Cam Akers for the Rams. I mean, he had a productive game. He only had nine carries, though, so that is a little concerning. Malcolm Brown's still there. Daryl Henderson's still there. But Cam Akers is at the point of the season where you need to pick him up. He's showing some inc- uh, increase in targets and volume. Uh, so you need to scoop him up. And then my number one is Latavius Murray. Only because until Drew Brees gets back, he's going to get a lot more carries, a lot more yards, and he's going to be really fantasy relevant. So pick up Latavius Murray off the waiver wire. He's my number one option. Wide receiver, it's just as dim as quarterback. My number three is Russell Gage. Julio Jones, He's has his injury, his ankle. Not sure if he's going to be coming back this week or not. Russell Gage saw an increase in targets last week. He wasn't productive against the Raiders, but he still got an increase in targets, and that's what you look for because if you get that many targets, you should have a productive day. So I like Russell Gage as my number three receiver. Number two is Denzel Mims for the Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold, I mean, he threw the ball a lot. Uh, He's throwing it to Mims and Perryman a lot more than Crowder at this point. And so if I have to take a chance on a Jet... Outside of Perryman, obviously, Denzel Mims is getting just as many targets as Perryman, and I think he can be a a decent play down the stretch, or at least to have on your roster down the stretch if you need him in a pinch. And then my number one, you know, John Brown went to IR. When that happens, Cole Beasley steps it up, but Gabriel Davis also steps it up, and Gabriel Davis is my number one wide receiver target. He was productive, got that uh, touchdown pass from Cole Beasley, and he had like 73 yards receiving. So he had a good game. He actually was more productive than Stephon Diggs. I think it's you definitely should be taking a chance on Gabriel Davis. He's the rookie from uh, UCF, and he's, yeah, he's definitely relevant. And in this Bills offense that uh, is able to do a lot of things, there's a lot of chances for fantasy points, so he needs to be on your team. And then tight end, this is really, this was really hard. This was a really bad week. Tight ends kind of hit or miss. Tight ends in general have been pretty disappointing for the last half of the season. Jacob Hollister is my number three, though. Greg Olson was hurt. I mentioned Jacob Hollister, and then what happened? Tight end just really wasn't relevant in their games. Well, they're starting to get more targets, and I like Jacob Hol- Jacob Hollister. I think he's a start, or not a start, but at least a, a tight end option that you can throw in there. And uh, he's getting more snaps than Will Disley is at this point, so he's a guy to own. Number two is Kyle Rudolph for the Vikings. Irv Smith was injured, and Kyle Rudolph then proceeded to have seven catches. So they're going to use Kyle Rudolph just like they did Irv Smith, and he's going to be a relevant option to pick up um there's a lot of tight ends that aren't producing and rudolph will produce as long as he's in the lineup so you need to pick him up and then number one is jordan reed he had a horrible game last week but jordan reed's the most athletic and talented tight end and until george kittle gets back he's the guy to own he's the one that's going to be getting the passing volume from the 49ers offense and in all formats pick up Jordan Reed. 
he can be he's a boom or bust type play but I mean at tight end those booms that he he has is just it's it's a game changer so he those are my uh stick ups to pickups for the week it's not looking good so hopefully you solidified your lineup before uh week 13 maybe week 14 will you know some things will happen that will uh, open up the waiver wire period for some better talent but as of right now this is what we have to work with and well uh that's who you need to target Well, it's time to wash your hands clean of week 12. Maybe even take a shower. I'd like to shower off all the stink that was week 12 and all those disappointing uh, performances that happened this week. The problem is this week 12 is like a horror movie. The uh, return of the COVID, it's like uh, instead of Jason Voorhees, it's this mythical being called COVID that uh, just won't let the week 12 end. We want it to end. We keep thinking it's dead, but... It's not dead until the Baltimore Ravens decide it is. So until this game is played, Week 12 can't come to a close. And so we just have to be tortured with it in its memory of all the bad it brought us. And I I don't know too many fantasy football owners that were happy about it, too many gamblers that were happy about this week. It was just one of those weeks that you'd want to forget. And we can't do it until this last game is played, unfortunately. So... We're done. We're not going to talk about Week 12 anymore. I'm done with it. I don't even want to talk about the Ravens Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger will be retired by the time uh, the Ravens play the Steelers at this point. So we're calling it a show. You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Ms. The Wiz Montalban. Thank you for joining us, and we'll get right back at it in a couple days, previewing Week 13. If week 12 will ever end that is so thanks for joining us take care